What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are once again here to talk about another Will Smith hit. And boy, it's just evident again when you look up some facts for this movies and box office. You know, this again, uh, this was the time of Will Smith. You just could not escape him at the box office. Just unbelievable. But you know, Rob Harrison, when this came out back in 2008, um, it was his fifth film to open on the July 4th weekend. Uh, it was mo- his most successful opening to date. It was his eighth film in a row to take the st- the top spot in the American and Canadian box office and the 12th fim- film in his career to lead the box office. So like we talked about in the review of Men in Black, you know, this was just a time when he was unstoppable. Now, whether or not this movie is any good and we rate it the same as we have, which, uh, Rob, I don't know if you know this. I'll, I'll kind of let you gi- chime in here first. Um, we have rated both the movies that we have um, reviewed for Will Smith here um, the same score. And Harrison has rated both of them the same score. Yeah, I didn't actually realize that. Um I think this movie kind of caught some people off guard. If you, if you think back to when this came out, I I think the overall response critically and from a lot of audience was just kind of, nah, you know, it's, it's not a film that I think you'll find in a lot of people's libraries. It's not a film that you'll probably find a lot of people include in their top 10, probably not even in their top 10 Will Smith movies, honestly. Um, and and I think part of that is just, you know, this hype train was going, 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 hit after hit after hit. This guy couldn't miss. And this film wasn't that. Um, so I think it suffers a little bit from, you know, maybe expectations that it just wasn't going to live up to. Um, this is really only the second time I've realistically seen it the whole way through. And I was very curious to go back, rewatch it kind of with fresh eyes, just unique uh, experience um, and see how it actually is. So I'm excited to kind of talk about what I thought and what you guys thought. Yeah, Harrison, what were, you know, what were your initial before we get, you know, into spoilers and and really break this thing down? What were, you know, your thoughts? Because this is one that you you have or haven't seen. Uh, I had not seen this. However, this is the movie that like, I was most aware of, if that makes sense. Like, not that I wasn't aware of the others, but for some reason, this was a movie that has been recommended to me for a long time, way before the Basin Binge was even an idea in my brain. Like, like when I was in junior high and high school or middle school, depending on what part of the state you're from, mm-hmm. uh, people had told me to watch Hancock, and I just never have. So it was one that, like, I've, like multiple times I've almost watched this movie and then just haven't. So especially because one friend in particular, uh, Kelton, who used to be on the base and binge with me, who recommended edge of tomorrow, which is a movie that I absolutely adore. And he also really likes, he was like the main, you know, driving force and recommending Hancock to me. So I was like, you know, he has good recommendations. <laughs> and that That's kind of what I had going in uh, was just that like, for some reason, this was a popular movie that, my group of friends when I was growing up really seemed to latch onto and, and to have discussions about like, not just like, Oh, it's the best movie ever, but like have really 
big lengthy discussions about and not just like fan reaction to if that makes sense so i don't really know what i was thinking but i was excited to finally figure out what it was all about yeah i mean if you know you're going just off of the recommendation from the friend i mean you said it yourself but i mean you were you're smitten with edge of tomorrow um and i certainly you know i i echo those statements i think that was a vastly underrated movie when it first came out and got recognition over time but um yeah, I, I think this one was something that I was eager to get back to because I had certain thoughts on it and I've grown to like some of the actors and actresses that are in this movie more over time. Jason Bateman being one of them is a guy that I think is hysterical. So I was excited to go back and, and see him in this and and certainly uh, Charlize Theron has been in some things where she's she's kicked ass. Um so I was excited about this, but before we break this movie down, listeners of the show, we have another great giveaway that we are able to provide to our listeners thanks to Map360. And this is based on the movie The Child Something is Wrong with the Children. It's a group of friends on a weekend camping trip begin to suspect supernatural is it something supernatural is at play when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight. There's something wrong with the children is the latest horror film from Blumhouse Productions and is available to buy or rent on digital now. This film is not yet rated. However, Following all of our social media channels and checking out the show notes, you will learn how you can win a free copy of that movie. So thank you to the listeners so we can give something a little back and thank you to Map360. But Rob, as, as we break this down, I'll get to you first. You know, I think part of the reason why maybe this movie didn't, I mean, it's still very successful at the box office, especially for its time frame. Um, critics didn't really like it it was definitely different than what we were getting from Will Smith. This definitely tried to take a more serious tone in certain aspects, uh, even getting an R rating twice and having to go back to get it down to a PG 13 rating. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, there's a little bit of lower audience score compared to his previous movies that we've just reviewed. It is, it is a shift in tone, especially coming off of like men in black, even, for us, something that we just reviewed and watched. You know, what's what really occurred to me is that what's the most quotable line from this movie? Can you think of one? Can you think of two? I actually can because my buddy and I, my buddy actually texts me. Um, the One of the funny ones that I actually, I, I one is when the woman's like, you smell like booze and I'm not going to say the word on air, but he's like, because I've been drinking <laughs> like I actually yeah. laugh hysterically at that. And that's, and that's clever. But when you think about what you get from a Will Smith movie, you have like pages of quotable lines of things that you just are iconic to that movie. And there's that one. And there's maybe one or two other things, you know, he's like maybe something along the lines of like, call me crazy one more time. You know, that's, that's used a little bit, but that's really not that we've heard that in other movies. And, and that's, you know, it kind of stood out to me, like, that's really not what we get um, when we're used to a Will Smith movie, particularly mm -hmm. Will Smith of this era. And I think what really kind of works against this movie in terms of how it's regarded and, 
and and again, it's just not the normal thing we got from him. But what occurs to me is that this is kind of a movie with an identity crisis. Is this a superhero deconstruction? Is this a raunchy comedy? Is this a comic book movie? Is this a redemption story? Is this an underdog story? Is this a love triangle story? Like what actually is this movie? And does this identity crisis make it better or worse? And I think that's up to the viewer to decide. But I think for a lot of people that maybe had certain expectations when they sit down to watch this for the first time, particularly if you saw it in its time, um, there's a lot of things about this that might throw you off. You know, there's there's a lot of things about this movie. It, it really doesn't know what it wants to be. And by the way, like that doesn't bother me, but I could see a lot of people that would be very confused by what this this actually is. Um, there's some things that, you know, I, I think really don't work. The camera whips around like crazy. It's almost filmed like a documentary and at times and it whips around like crazy. It zooms in and out rapidly. It's it's somewhat distracting. Um, there's some other things that don't really work. Like, I'm not really sure what the rules are per se in this world, like how, how the superhero abilities work and don't work, how, how Mary and John's connection works. And like, I think it, at times there's like the, it seems like the way that it works fits whatever's going on in the story, as opposed to any like agreed upon rules that were figured out in advance, how this was supposed to work. So you know, there's, there's some, there's really some fun moments. Like I enjoy this movie. Um, I think it's better than, than it's rotten tomatoes score. Um, but there's definitely some weird parts too. Yeah. Harrison, I'll let you piggyback off that. Um, cause I, I have a lot of thoughts on, on what Rob just stated, but you know, what are, what are your thoughts on some of those comments and, you know, some of your, your thoughts on this movie? Yeah, from the get-go, the movie started, and I was like, what is this movie? Like, it starts with Will Smith being, like, this drunk superhero that, like, is horrible at being a superhero. Like, first, I didn't know it was a superhero movie. And then to start with, like, him being drunk and, like, normally Will Smith's character is, like, really charismatic and charming and, like, someone you want to root for and really enjoy, and he is not that at the beginning. Like he just, he's a jerk. And uh, so it's weird to have the movie start that way. It's, it's a very different vibe to a Will Smith movie. Um, And then throughout the film, like it starts to, it it starts with a different vibe and then it kind of gets into the flow of it and gets moving and, and really moves along that, for example, the redemption story of this really awful drunk uh, superhero and his redemption arc. And once it gets going into that and you're kind of in lane with it, it switches and goes another direction with like this weird uh, love triangle thing. And then once it goes into that vibe a little bit and like this, this that mixed into this redemption story and like this history, we've been around for everything. Then it switches gears again to like this. We're not meant to be together, but we are meant to be together. So I'm going to be a hero because we're not together, but we are. And like every single time it gets into a groove, it does something else. And mingled in that is this weird like wannabe action superhero movie that it's not being and the camera work is weird it, it just it like it, it's like it can't figure out what it's trying to do it's trying to do too many things and there's some of the things in here that i actually really really like and i wish there was more of and there's other things i'm like this just ruins it and so it's just like this weird back and forth between good and not good and it's it's hard to keep up with tonally yeah it's to me this movie is like heating a burrito in the microwave you get hot and cold pockets of it 
It doesn't. It doesn't heat evenly. That is so accurate. Like that's, you know, to me, that's how this thing breaks down, and it's it's a shame because the parts of the of the meal that are hot are actually really good. But you, you guys said it super succinct that it just doesn't know what it wants to do, and when it hits a stride, you know, like you start like if you're on the jump rope and you start going. Well, then you just nip the bottom of your shoe and you got to go again. And it just starts and stops so many times, which is a shame because I think there's some really good things in there. And, you know, you could have almost said, okay, well, if it would have went all the way with like a dark kind of like redemption story of seeing him more as like a drunk or a a guy that, you know, hurts people inadvertently because he doesn't have his stuff together you know, that could have been a more free flowing movie or they could have just went all out comedy with this and maybe just having that all flow, that would have made it a better movie. But I do like the performances. I I, I think the performances in this are good, but it is just such a different vehicle for Will Smith in terms of what in this time frame fans were used to seeing. Um he also creates Michael Myers. Uh, that kid that he punches into the sky is actually Michael Myers. Um, is actually the young version of Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween. So he created a ser- <laughs> he created a serial. Yeah, he created a serial killer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just it's really weird because you do have, you know that that story of them, you know. Uh, Will Smith and Charlize Theron's character being together, but, you know, just like the other gods, when they get together um, and decide that they want to live a normal life, their their immortality goes away. I think that's an interesting concept. But Rob, you mentioned it when you first started going over your thoughts. They play really loose with how that actually works about them being close together. It's like it's it's overdone when they need it to be done and act like they're in danger. And then it's like, eh, well, it's kind of taking a break for a second so he can do what he needs to do to save her towards the end. It just there's no consistency with how close they are together in relation to how much damage they take. Yeah, it it really doesn't follow anything specific. Like if you had if you go back and and what's interesting is this is definitely the first time I've watched this movie all the way through um, the, since I saw it originally. And what was really interesting to me was really keen on Charlize Theron's performance and the way that she regarded Hancock. There was, it was, it's much more interesting the second time through because initially you're not really sure why she's so, I mean, obviously Hancock being kind of a jerk and being a drunk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily want that around, but it was, it was a very, very different experience the second time through, which was, which was really kind of interesting. Um, so if you're listening to this and you've seen this movie once, maybe you've seen it twice, haven't seen it in a while, go back and rewatch it just for that. And, and partly it's just cause Charlize is just, I mean, she's among the most talented actresses that's working right now. I mean, she's, she's in that conversation. She is just fantastic in everything I've ever seen her in. And I big fan of hers, um, and her work in general. Um, but it, it just never really seems to line up and never it, it, you can't really make sense heads or tails of what's actually going on and why. And, and 
you know, she does a great job with it, but then all of a sudden, you know, he gets stabbed. So then she's, she's feeling it. It's like, how far away does he actually have to get? Is it like diminishing or is there like a, an actual zone? Like, how's that, how's that work? It, and I think that that part is, you know, that's the climax of your movie mm-hmm. is that whole scene in the hospital at the end. And I know we're kind of jumping all the way to the end, but that's the climax. That's, that's where you're supposed to have this big emotional response from your audience. And when your big emotional response is confusion, you have failed as a movie. Yeah, Harrison, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you chime in. Yeah, it was when Shirley's character showed up, I was just like immediately like, what is this movie doing? Like <laughs> I immediately got the vibes that they had a relationship in some way, but I was like, wait, what like does he not recognize her or does he and he's just not saying anything like obviously you're slowly putting the pieces together but i i just knew something was gonna happen between the two of them and a relationship was gonna be either a previous one or they were going to have one and uh, but i just was like what that was when we were firmly in like the redemption arc section of the movie which is actually probably my favorite part of the movie i thought that was exceptional in fact i have a line here that was just when he's in prison, and uh, I forget the guy's name, um, the main guy, not Jason Bateman's Will- character. Yes, Ray. That's his Ray. name. He says, "Stop pretending that you don't care. You have a calling. You're a hero, Hancock. You're going to be miserable the rest of your life until you accept that. Trust me. Trust this process, this plan. Just stay in here. When they call, a hero is what we're going to give them." And then he goes and saves the people, and it's like a phenomenal scene. And I'm like, "Wow, this movie's awesome!" And I, I was like, really into it, and I was ready to come on and say, like. Why have I never seen this movie? This is an exceptional movie. I love the story. This is really impactful. This performance from Will Smith is really good. Blah, 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 blah. And then that stuff came in more and more and more and more. Or maybe I'm getting my timelines messed up and it was before. But either way, I'm like enjoying this redemption arc thing. And suddenly this love triangle thing is happening. And I just was like, what is this movie trying to do? Because you you had me hooked and you're losing me. And I, I'm not liking this at all. And it... it and and I was confused in what the overall motive of the story was, which is not good. Like, it, it's weird that you can, like, have these really good moments that you really believe in and enjoy, but then just think, like, what do you want to achieve? Because I don't know what you want. And so I don't know what I want. And it, it's just weird. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I didn't like about the, the love triangle story, so to speak, um, and like realistically, I think that that scene where they're fighting and then it, where conveniently they land in front of Ray, of course they do in front of his building. Um, but I did like like the scene where she's just like screaming at him like, I hate you. And he's like, I'm sorry, like whatever I did, I'm sorry. I'm like, OK, that works. But at the same time, I'm like, I really like Jason Bateman's character, Ray, who's like genuinely a good guy who wants to help people. And he's kind of caught in this. And I'm like, I just feel bad for him. Like, I don't, I don't feel anything like, Oh, it's so sad that like he lost his memory getting jumped when they were on a date. Like, I don't feel bad about that. Like I feel bad for this guy who's like this really nice dude. And it's like, "Mm." Uh, okay. And I don't think that's what they were trying. At least that's not what I would go for in this movie. Like fine. Have her character still have superpowers and show that at the end is a teaser. Like, but just have this be a redemption story for 
Hancock's character and, you know, the the bank robber that tries to get revenge on him, you could still have this movie be that without jumping all over the place. Maybe it's just me, but I'm kind of over amnesia as a plot device just in general. And perhaps Mm -hmm. it's just because I played a lot of JRPGs growing up as a, you know, being born in the early 80s and playing video games all through the 90s. And, you know, that seemed like the plot of most of those at some point or another. Somebody had amnesia, but it's kind of overused. And I don't know, I I, it's I guess it sort of works for this movie. But there's imagine if that wasn't how it started. Imagine there was, I don't know, 75 other ways they could have done it without the amnesia plot. How much more interesting could this have been? Rob, I just flicked myself in the head. Um, I don't remember. Do you want to start this episode over? (laughs) 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 Like it's just amnesia doesn't really work that way. Like it's, I don't know. I'm kind of over it as a plot device in general. It's interesting to me because like it, that to go back to Matt's comment, that scene when they fight and they land in front of Ray, it's just like this weird combination of emotions where like, you are just sad for Ray. So like you're immediately just disinterested in everything that's going on. And while I think that the performance that Will Smith gives when he says, I'm sorry, I think this idea that like he doesn't remember his previous life is weird. Like the, the thing that I do like about it, because I'm with you, Rob, that amnesia is a wasted plot device. The thing that I do like is when he says like, who was I that no one was there to claim me or whatever he says? I forget the line. Yeah. Uh, Like that's that, that is good motivation for a character who needs redemption. Like I can get that. I I'm buying into that line and the way that it adds to the thematic weight of redemption and the journey that he goes on. However, the amnesia thing to, to then go on to, to, which Charlize Theron's character and, and that whole weird thing. And then to later just have it revealed the whole thing. Like I would have rather just had it stayed a mystery that he just didn't know. And we didn't know. And and that was it. And he just had to come to terms with not knowing. Uh, I feel like that could have been a, a more impactful use of amnesia because that to me, that was when it would be interesting is, is learning to live with a version of yourself. You have to define for yourself who you are. Cause that's, that's a relatable experience for me. Uh, and just flat out forgetting and then being told like, oh yeah, here you go. This was your life. Like that, who does yeah, that? Matt, you, you kind of referenced it, but I mean, think how many times we see people get concussions all the time in the NFL, in boxing, in mixed martial arts. Like none of those guys have ever gone under the blue tent and forgotten the playbook, like let alone their entire life. Like we've seen just even this season, we've seen guys get hit so hard that you're convinced like there's no way he's ever getting up off that field and they're back in action the next week. I I don't know. I'm just kind of over amnesia in general, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, sticking with the theme of this kind of going back and forth, you get that scene where, you know, Ray sees them. And you feel you feel sad for Ray, but then it kind of switches tones where they all get back to the house. And part of that's actually kind of funny. Like Ray has no clue what's going on. He's like, why were you flying? Tell me why you were flying. And then he's talking to Hancock and like the way Will Smith like delivers the line. He's like, don't don't bring it over here, Ray. Like, you know, talk to her. It's funny. But then at the same time, I'm like, this shouldn't be funny right now. 
like so totally yeah. again they they just shift and it's like yes it's funny but even though i'm laughing because there's some genuinely funny dialogue in there I feel like I shouldn't be laughing. Like this is not what I should be following up with based on what I just saw. Um, and, and again, that's where it just, it, it flip flops back and forth so much that even though you might be having somewhat of a good time or laughing, I could not stop thinking about the fact of like, this isn't the natural follow-up for what we just saw. Yeah. It, it's weird because I agree with you like that scene is funny and and the writing of it is clever and like the progression of it between the characters makes sense and it 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 like but it doesn't fit like it, like, it fits and doesn't you know what I mean like it, and it's just this weird in between and it makes me not sure how I feel about any of it and so it just like it makes me lukewarm to the entire thing which is like I'd rather have an opinion than have no opinion and I'm like struggling to express how I feel because I'm like, yeah, it's funny and it works, but it doesn't and it shouldn't be there. It's just this weird combination. However, while we're speaking about funny things, I've, I have been kicking myself since we recorded the Men in Black episode because I did not mention the scene where Will Smith is taking the test at the Will, like with the papers. That is the funniest scene ever. I'd never seen that. I was, I was dying laughing. I had to pause it. I could not compose myself. And I just am mad. I never mentioned that. So I just had to say it, get off my chest, but back to Hancock. It, it just, it's better now, Harrison. I do. Yeah. I like feel like I can breathe. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, but it's weird because I wrote this down in my notes at first, this is what I said. I didn't like the whole wife thing at first, but then the conversation between the three of them, it got better. But then the next paragraph says, but the ending was weird. I don't like any of it. It like ruined the whole thing. So it's just like this weird back and forth where I'm continuing like, oh, hey, here's this thing. I kind of like it. But then something else happens, which makes me unlike it. So then I just, I don't know. What's weird about some of that is the way that Mary holds Hancock accountable for the person he's not anymore and doesn't remember being. She's angry at him for something that, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's not that person right now. And, you know, she she's angry at him for that. And it, it kind of doesn't make sense. And and I guess the, the thing that I I find really compelling is thinking about what a relationship that spans centuries would really be like. You know, I, I we, we all know people have been married a long time and, you know, they know their spouse better than, you know, anybody ever could know somebody at times. And But to, to have a relationship grow over millennia even um, is kind of an interesting idea. Like, what? how would that be different? And I think that's an idea that's kind of hinted at at times. It's sort of talked about. Um, but I don't know that it, it explores as much as I kind of wish it would. Rob, I, I, with what you're speaking about the, as the movie was going, I felt the exact same thing, which actually, Rob, have you seen Eternals yet? Uh, no, I'll get around. Don't, to it. don't get Maybe. around to it. It's not worth okay. it. Uh, but I, I had the exact same, like, I was like, this is what I felt like in Eternals. Cause Eternals has a similar thing where, you know, they live forever and they, there's relationships that span eons and it's, it's just weird. Like that, that relationship should be so much different than it is. And I also think that we just don't have the capacity to understand what it, what it really would be like. However, it just, it, it, it doesn't 
feel the way that it should. I don't know how to describe what it should feel like. It just doesn't feel like it should. Well, I, I think part of that for me um, is the fact that even watching the movie, it still doesn't like, okay, she hates him, you know, for whatever. I mean, the, the guy's been gone for eight, like he hasn't bothered you for 80 years because he has no clue. And he still really hasn't bothered you when he first came back. Like he wasn't, it's not like it was just some guy that came into their house and he just started hitting on her. Like he really didn't like nothing was going on there. And even watching the scene there was, and I know they kind of make mention to like, Oh, we're just drawn to each other, but they don't mention anything about being like physically or emotionally drawn to each other. I think you're just supposed to, to get that conclusion, but it's like, I just didn't believe where the lead up to him kissing her. Like to me that that felt very forced. And then, you know, they get into the fight cause she throws them through, you know, she throws them through the wall. Um, I just, I didn't believe all of it. And I feel like, you know, especially with the rules, how we talked about when they can get hurt and when they can't, I felt like they never really explained like the connection that they're supposed to have to each other and being drawn that didn't feel real either. It felt like painted on, so to speak. To to me, it felt like uh, Mary, is that her name? Shirley's Theron's character? Uh, yes. Was doing more to bring it on and to bring it about yes. than anything else. Which I don't really feel like she was doing, but I felt like that was the explanation my mind was coming up with. Um, like, okay, maybe that's, let me rephrase that. That is a believable explanation that that's how it came about, that that's what she was doing, that she was bringing it about. But why would she bring that about? It's just, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. It's like my mind is trying to fill in the hole and mm. and I'm just like trying to get the piece that fits as good as it can and no no piece really fits the way it should. And it, and it just makes, again, the whole thing is just very weird. And I think there's even some uh, Uncle Ben stuff here too. You know, the whole with great power comes great responsibility. So he has this ability. He's a superhero in air quotes there, you know, cause he's kind of, he kind of sucks at it, you know, like <laughs> he causes more harm than, than what he does in, in terms of help. And she's just there on the sideline watching all this happen, watching all of the collateral damage that he's causing and lives that are likely being lost. And she willingly chooses to sit on the sideline and just let it happen instead of, you know, step in and say, she doesn't even have to explain the whole thing. She doesn't have to tell him that they were married or that they were lovers or anything like that, but just to even serve as a mentor and teach him, you know, how to do what he does and give him purpose in life. That isn't just being a drunk all the time and not caring and, and actually using his abilities for good. Um, Mary's kind of a terrible person. I thought the same thing. And I also thought like, what was her game plan? Like if they never age, I mean, was she just at some point she's going to like get noticed. Like, yeah, he's going to, they're going to be together. What? Like 10 years. And he's going to be like, why do you look the exact same? Yeah, like, like I, what was her plan? I, I don't know. I like to be like, Oh, 10 years later. Hey, by the way, here's this thing. I never told you it, it just, the entire thing about her character is just weird. 
Yeah, she, like she's never going to get sick. She's never going to accidentally cut herself. Like she's, you know, she'll never drop something on her foot and have it like yeah. actually impact her. Like we have a joke in my house that we need one of those like OSHA signs. This facility has gone, you know, X many number of days <laughs> since my wife last hurt herself. Like she does it all the time. Like that would be weird to me if like all this stuff happened, like, you know, crack your head off the bottom of a, a ca- kitchen cabinet and not even react or have the cabinet break off. Like at some point you'd go, What? Right. You would think that in that entire time, like, okay, she's been doing it for centuries, but you would think that maybe just because part of it, she does seem happy. Oh, yeah. With Ray. Like, you know, they they seem like real. Yeah. You know, a, a real legitimate couple. You would think in that she would slip up like her natural guard to be like. I got to make sure I don't bump into anything too tough or, you know, I have to react a certain way. Like, again, like if she did drop something on her foot, I have to act like it. It affected me like I it hurt. You would think that just in that natural relationship where they do seem like a couple, he would have noticed something like, yeah, um, there's a couple of weird signs. Here. It would have slipped um, through. Right. Exactly. Now. You know, when when we were talking about like Hancock just being a horrible hero, there was a couple of fun, you know, that scene where he does save Ray from the train and Ray gets out of the car and they're all yelling and they're like, you could have gone right up with the car, but instead you and like, you know, Ray's like, yeah, he could have like you should have gone up like, yeah, you could have shown you, you should have flown the car straight up, but he didn't. But I'm, I'm happy to be alive. I get to go home to my wife Um, again, like there's. There's some funny scenes here, and I I love Jason Bateman. Like I I think he's great. Um, but then yeah, it's just that that tonal flip. It, you can't ever enjoy one aspect of the movie because then you're trying to figure out the next aspect of the movie, and that's just that's the thing that like always sticks with me. And even when I was thinking about how I wanted to rate this, was Rob, you said especially the ending. When your climax is confusion, you probably shouldn't be doing it because it's not good confusion. It's not Shutter Island confusion about does he know what's real is like, I don't know. Sorry, spoiler, if neither of you guys have seen Shutter Island, um, <laughs> but, but it's, no, that's it's not a good ending. You're right. Yeah. Like it's not that type of confusion for the audience where you can make either play to what you think that ending means. and you can be right. The weird thing, especially about this ending is that like, it tries to end on like this really like, I'm just going to say like sweeping, soaring feeling with Hancock flying through the air. And it's just like, I just feel flat. Like, like I, I, I almost don't know what I'm feeling right now. And that combined right. with the imagery it, makes it worse. And I think too, is because there's not, you know, the villain in here is very, forgettable oh yeah he's He's lame you know he he shouldn't be threatening to hancock but because of this MacGuffin of them being close together he is and it's just like that's why also for me this ending doesn't it 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 doesn't work It, it because this villain should not have done anything to either of them. This is right. not believable. So this I've got two major, major problems with with our villain Red. 
when he's in the bank, when Hancock runs into him the first time and he ends up losing his first hand, you know, he's screaming, where'd he go? What is happening? Like that is unbelievably lame and terrible and stupid. So bad. It's awful. Like it should have been cut and, and everybody involved should have been fired (laughs) when, (laughs) um, when they, when they go to break out of prison, they have absolutely no way of knowing that Hancock is in a vulnerable state. Like he's not in a vulnerable state at that point, but they have no way of knowing what was their end game. Like what was their plan? What were they hoping to do to him? It makes no sense. Like they were just going to show up and, and try to stab him and throw fire extinguishers at him. Like, why did they think that was going to work? There's no reason for them to know that. And you kind of take this towards the beginning of the movie. The very first action scene we get, like Hancock is a known entity. It's not like he's a new hero on the scene. Everybody knows who this guy is. And yet everybody still tries to shoot him. Like what, what are you hoping to accomplish? Like it's futile and everybody does it anyways. It makes no sense. I mean, he's pretty much got the same power set as Superman really without like the laser vision and the, and the freeze breath and stuff. But it, you know, it, it kind of at times it's made Superman kind of a boring hero. So like the writers will have to, you know, put other people around him in danger or make his his secret identity part of the the tension until they eventually just had him reveal it recently. Um, so it kind of makes him a little bit of a boring. But at the same time, like, why are you wasting your ammo on him? Like, there's so many other things you could possibly be doing. It just seems stupid. Um, and and it's I don't know. I I hate it. The, the the thing that I keep thinking about, and I don't know how this really fits in with what you guys are saying, but it's what you guys are making me think. Uh, I was recently listening to the episode that Matt, you did on Black Adam, and I feel like there are components of this that sh- like Black Adam could have really worked with this type of redemption story that the first movie did or the first part of the movie did. Because like I'm thinking about because Rob, you were describing that scene at the bank, like after you get that stupidity where the guy is trying to negotiate with him and he says like you're gonna take the money and you're gonna carry me to safety or i'm gonna blow up these people or whatever and and like i was genuinely thinking like oh hancock's hancock's kind of turning over a new leaf what what is he gonna do how is he gonna get through this situation like and then he does like this really kind of like morally gray thing that you know to quote the horrible line at the ending of black adam he can do things that you can't because of who he is or whatever the stupid line is like, Oh my God, (laughs) that was horrendous. Right. But that idea could work with the direction that this first part of the movie goes to with like this redemption arc. And it could have like that idea might have been cool or that they take this idea in the first part of Hancock and put in black Adam. Either way, I feel like I, my brain keeps wanting that, but sadly, as Rob pointed out, we keep getting stupidity, like not just in the writing, but just in like every, aspect of this film that the the characters choices it, it, it logically just it's like are we dumb do do you think that we as audience members are dumb i i i don't know like it's just like like here's the thing that i kept thinking nobody likes hancock does he just not have to eat like where does he get this money like he, he apparently has he's plenty of money for alcohol but where does he get that? Like, does he panhandle on his time off when he's not saving the world? Like, I don't know. There's just like a lot of logical things that the movie just kind of expects you to go along with and never question. Uh, and 
and those are like minor things like people shooting at him and then there are also major plot points like pretty much everything happening with Charlize Theron's character and it's just like it's like oh here you go just accept this don't question it because if you do it's gonna fall apart yeah I still think too the ending is uh, I mean besides the the giant heart on the moon um that how did he do that just how did he do that I don't you know movie magic it's that Bruce Almighty moon um (laughs) but I, I still think there's it's a tough pill to swallow that Ray and Mary are still together. Some like, and, and as happy as they seem at the end of it. Like I, I yeah. feel like, you know, okay, you were going to, if this guy, if, if Hancock hadn't shown up the way that he had, cause realistically it's kind of like dumb luck that he falls into their lives. Um, but you were going to lie to me for our entire life. Like you were lying to me for our entire lives. And granted, it's not like, you know, she was lying about cheating or anything, but like you've lied her entire lives. And realistically, like you said, how is she going to get out of this relationship? Like, was she just, when he started questioning, was she just going to up and leave and be like, well, I can't stick around for another 10 years because I'm going to look the same as the first day we met. And, what am I going to tell him? Like, were were you eventually going to tell him? Were you just going to fly off in the night one night? Like, how did you expect to, like, realistically stay with this guy? It, you're 100% right that at the end of the movie, when they're still together and they're just the loving couple, uh, I, I got weirded out by that. I was like, I'm not buying this right now. Um, yeah, because it's not like we, you know, did you guys, like, legitimately like did you go to couples therapy and like hash this out and talk about it but no it's like okay they get shot hancock leaves all right whatever like none of what just happened existed again it's like a tonal shift like it's it's like the argument and the fights like didn't happen and is she just going back to life as a housewife she's got these abilities people know she has these abilities and she's willingly choosing. It seems to not mm-hmm. use them. Yeah. For the greater good. I, you know, again, it's the whole great power, great responsibility to what extent does a person with the means to do so required to benefit the greater good. It's, it's a fantastic philosophical debate that you can have with your friends. Um, but it just, it, it yeah, it seems kind of weird. The thing is that a whole ending prevents you from being like excited or happy or pleased with any part of it because like Hancock has had this great character growth, but he's still alone. Like, cool, he's a better hero now, but he got a he got a hawk. And what's weird to me is at no point does Mary ever be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, your real name is whatever." Yeah, like mm-hmm. he never even tells him. Your real name is David Webb. <laughs> 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 I was totally expecting you to uh, say Ralph Boner. <laughs> he, got, he got us again. He swerved us. But <laughs> that wily Ralph Boner. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. You don't know. You, you don't know how to feel at the end of this movie, but yet I still sit there and go. Harrison, you you said this. I don't hate it. I don't love it. 
I still don't know what my opinion is of it. Yeah. And that's that's worse. Here's the thing. This is how I'll put it. And here's another note I have down. From the beginning of the movie, something felt off. I think this movie is filmed in a weird aspect ratio where like it's it's extra long horizontally and shorter vertically. I don't know. I should go and compare. But the entire time, I kept like trying to like reach my head forward like through the window because I felt like I wasn't getting the full view that it was being obstructed by the letterboxing. And I just feel, I genuinely really think that the aspect ratio is different than most movies. Like, I feel like our brains have watched enough movies in like 16 by 9 format where we're accustomed to what it looks like. And so when it's slightly off, you notice. And uh, that accompanied with like this really tight, shallow depth of field cinematography that it has and how it, it's weird camera work. So just from the get-go, visually, it feels off and you're like, but you're not quite sure. You can't really put your finger on if it is or if it isn't. So you just kind of like leave it there. Like, I think it's there, but I don't know if it is. And, and so I'm like this weird in between. That is the entire thing of the movie is like, there's parts of it. You're like, oh, hey, see, there's proof as to why it doesn't work. Or maybe another moment you're like, oh, there's proof as to why it does. But I'm not really sure if it does or doesn't. Because like, if we're doing a scientific theory, we're doing the scientific method and we're doing our research, you know, our hypothesis can't be answered because we've got proof that goes either way. So we're just like st mm -hmm. stuck in between. And, it, and it's a bummer because I will say, I, I'll say this again, this movie started and uh, that whole redemption art thing and the performance of Will Smith and Ray's character that I was really into. I really, really loved it. I wrote, wrote down that whole line when he's in the prison. I just, uh, and he convinces him to say, I thought it was exceptionally good. And I, in fact, I wrote, this is not, quote, this is what I said in my notes. This is not at all what I thought it was, and this is really good. And then I just started trashing it. Uh, <laughs> so it's just a bummer. Yeah, Rob, any, you know, any kind of sort of final thoughts on notes that you took? Um, you know, Harrison was talking a little bit about the um, aspect ratios and just some of the camera work in general. I, I found a lot of the camera work to kind of be distracting. Um, it was almost shot like ER at times, you know, like just again, mm -hmm. the, it zooms in and out and the camera is very shaky at times. It's distracting. Like when you notice it, when you notice that you remember you're watching a movie <clears throat> and when you remember you're watching a movie, you stop having fun. But right out of the gate, the visual effects in this are pretty bad. And, and that's even by 2008 standards, um, right out of the gate, you notice it. The other thing that I'll mention right at the beginning of this movie, if you are going to use a ludicrous song, do not ever use the edited version. If you're intending, if you have to hit PG 13 or PG or whatever it is, don't use ludicrous. Just please mm -hmm. don't make me listen to move without actually giving me the whole song. Like that's distracting to me when I know every word to that song and you're using the edited version, that's incredibly distracting to me. And it bothers me because I love that song to pick something different. It's, it's almost like they didn't have time to go back because again, it was, they went through the review board twice with rated R and it was almost like, it's almost like they said, well, we don't have time to get a different song. So just use it like, go cut <laughs> yeah it feels like that that uh project that you did in high school when you wanted to use a song and you had to cut it out because it was a high school project and so you just like went into to windows movie maker and you just like scissor scissor drag yep. together perfect <laughs> <laughs> and print yeah yeah 
Um, also, because because Rob said that he also noticed it, I looked it up, and uh, it is filmed in uh, twenty three uh, or two dot. No, 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 words need to work coming out of my brain. It it is filmed at approximately two forty by one aspect ratio. Uh, but I found it, and it's actually filmed at 239. So just from 240 to 239 is so different. And it, I, who mm-hmm. made that choice? Like, th- I mean, it's not like they were shipping cameras that shoot like a 0.01 different aspect ratio. Like, I feel like that had to be a creative decision. And who made that decision? Because it's an awful one. Like, if you're going to change it, like, make it like 225 or something. I don't know. Like, just, I don't Yeah, anyway, rant over. It's just dumb. Yeah, no, I, I I think those are valid points. Um, let's let's rate this thing. Let, let's get into popcorn time. Um, I, I'm gonna let Rob go first because uh, I'm, I'm I'm curious as to what your guys' ratings are because I think you might be surprised at mine based on everything that we've said. So, all right, I'm gonna go first, and I'm just gonna go ahead and go out on a limb here. Um, when we started this, I said, you know, it's sitting right around like 49% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's better than that score. And then I only said like negative things about it. <laughs> um, so it kind of seems like I'm contradicting myself. Um, so I am at three buckets on this. Um, there's, and that's maybe being a little bit generous. And I think it's mostly just because like what Harrison was mentioning, this movie starts off with so much promise and then it just kind of gets weirder and, and, choppy from there um but i when i think about this movie i tend to remember more of the parts of it that i liked and i sort of excuse some of the parts i don't like and and that's really on the basis of the performances of some pretty talented actors will smith Charlize theron jason bateman this is maybe jason bateman's most serious role that i can remember and, and he's still playing a comedic character, but this is probably the most serious role I've seen him in. And he's incredibly effective at it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to go with three buckets and uh, that's going to maybe sound like a surprise. So Harrison, I'll let you go last okay. and, and bookend it. Uh, I was three buckets as well. And it is because of the fact that when you sit there and you look at this movie and the things that I'm like, I like that there's so much, but there's so much potential in there that I tend to look at it a little bit more favorably than the negative things that we said about it, because I'm just like, all right, besides the villain, the negatives don't make me sit there and go, well, I don't like this movie. I'm going to go do something else. Like I still gave my undivided attention to this movie and I sit there and go, man, if there was, if there was a little tweak here, one tweak there, just a smidge difference there, boy, we've really got something. Um, and so that's that's why I give it three. I, I think the overall the good outweighs the bad. Uh, which again, you like Rob, like you said, it it might seem odd to say that because it seemed like we did just mention, you know the bad about this movie, but I, for me, I think it's, I mention it because of the fact that it's just, it's, it's weird, especially coming off of men in black independence day that the tonal shift and you, cause you can see it. You can see the potential in this movie. 
I'll tell you what's interesting is that when you think about other things, Matt, that you and I have rated three, you know, three buckets or when we were doing it with reels, it's sort of a range, right? So if you take everything mm-hmm. I've ever given three, three out of five to, this is probably at the lower end of my threes. Like if I took every movie I've ever given a three to, this is probably in the lower half of those threes for me. Um, but I still, I still stand by three. Yeah. Well, our ratings are consistent as I will be one bucket less at two. Uh, I give it two buckets. And uh, the reason that it's not zero buckets is because of that first part of the movie. Uh, I really, you know, it had me in the first half and it just let me down everything else. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I'm, I, you know, it's sad because I had never seen this movie before. For some reason, it felt like it was culturally popular and important when i was growing up and i was never part of it and so i was excited to finally now that i'm you know decades older become a part of that and it started and i was like wow this is exceptional this is really really good i understand why people are talking about this this is cool it's different it it's kind of aggressive in the way that it 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 comes at you with its difference and then i like the direction that it moves and i that is 100 percent what i was thinking about it and i really enjoyed it and then it totally switched up on me and i didn't really like anything else that followed and he and the action even became increasingly generic and everything that i liked about it just was taken away from uh so those two buckets are for like the first part of the movie up until the point where he stops the bank heist and then like in my brain i just need a way for him to like end the movie there and then we'll just forget the rest half because that that first part i i like if it was just that part of the movie i'd be the five buckets all the way in like Five big buckets, but everything else takes it away, sadly. Yeah, uh, certainly the lowest rated movie that we've done uh, so far. I I don't think it will be, by the end of this, the lowest rated movie that we have, but could Matt, be you're surprised. you don't like I Am Legend? I, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, you know, one thing, too, before we close this out, uh, you know, as you know, early back or as close as 2020, uh, Charlize, uh, Charlize Theron did say that she would be interested in a sequel, uh, to this movie. Cause there were, there was major talks about it. Um, and it just continued to, to stall out. They had hired script writers, but you know, she said that she would have liked to have explored, you know, this universe and they had ideas for it. Will Smith said the same thing. And, you know, for everything that does get a sequel, I am really surprised, you know, even though the the ratings weren't great, again, 628 million back in 2008, it it made it the fourth highest grossing movie at that time. Movies like that get sequels every day. So I was surprised that this did not get one. That's true. Yeah. Wow. This was really financially successful. So $150 million budget. Dang. So if there so. was ever a time to re-explore this and, and put out a sequel of some kind, um, I'd watch it. I would, I think there's enough intrigue in some of the things they could do. You know, I, I'd love to see, uh, would Hancock and Mary be able to stay away from each other? Is there, is there something to that connection where they're just drawn like magnets and they can't help themselves but be together? And, and what would that really look like? Um, 
you know, because it does seem like Mary truly does care for Ray. So that could be compelling in a sequel if we ever got one. But I think at this point, it's it's safe to say that ship has sailed. Although they waited like, what, 15 years in between Matrix movies? So, you know, how yeah. long did they wait between Jurassic Park and Jurassic World? So I, I guess Dumb maybe and- I'll, I won't say I will never say never. Zombieland, Bill and Ted, Dumb and Dumber, like there, Star there's Wars. been yeah, there's there's been some huge gaps in between you know sequels, but I think the thing that would really that really works against this one is obviously everything that's going on with Will Smith right now, and <laughs> well, you know that, yeah. it's you know I, I think if this were to be a sequel, this would have to be one of those. It's a Netflix, a Paramount mm. Plus. It's one that was created by one of those studios to come out on streaming. Yeah. yeah. As studios, as streaming services fight for, I don't want to say relevancy, but to have exclusive content that people need to subscribe to their service specifically to get, you could see that if there was enough. I mean, Netflix has certainly um, bought the rights to shows that were being canceled by other people. Um, yeah, you know, Lucifer. Yeah. I mean, think how many years we it was between um, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, and the upcoming uh, movie. I mean, it's been been years. How many? I mean, thir- thirty-five years, because nothing happened in between that that we acknowledge the existence of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, I mean, hey, they could do it. Matt and Matt just had a review that I was listening to, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Like eleven years later, I just released an episode on it, so you know it can happen, and and maybe that time is is what people need to uh, get new ideas. Because I, I've, I, the, here's the interesting thing that I said. I don't know how successful a sequel would be. And I don't know how if this is going to make sense to anybody but me and the way my brain's thinking about it. But this is always interesting for me to look at on Letterboxd. So you can see like the overall average rating for Letterboxd and also how mm-hmm. many fans uh, how many how many fans the movie has. And a fan is just considered somebody who puts this movie in their top four on their profile. And so like the, the movies that we were reviewing men in black and independence day, uh, men in black is 3.6 independence day is 3.3. I'm legend 3.3, you know, like all within that three range Hancock's at 2.7, not far off. Um, you know, a lot of three star ratings only has 43 fans, 43, uh, men in black. I am legend and independence day all have in the five hundreds to six hundreds. Like, I don't know what you want to do with that data, but it, but it, I, I feel like this is a movie that would has been forgotten to some extent. Like it was successful, but I like I don't see people talking about it anymore. And I wonder. You know, well, we're not we're not uh, paying for the movie, the sequel, but I'm just curious, like how relevant it could be if it were to come back, or if people would be like, "Oh yeah, that was a thing," and then just like never watch it. Yeah, great point. So, but who knows? There's a reason that I'm not a producer yeah. in Hollywood. <laughs> Could be, but who knows? Who who knows? Maybe we pitch it. Um, <laughs> this is our this is our first pitch to to Hollywood is this the sequel to Hancock. Um all right, well that will do it for our review of Hancock. Certainly uh a, a surprise. Uh I, I was surprised rewatching this and going Oh, it's definitely not what I remember because I I did remember liking this movie when I first saw it, so I was surprised to go back watch it and and have the feelings that I did about it. But you know, 
I, I still enjoyed the fact that I, I got to re-see it and, you know, formulate the opinion that I now have on it. So, Rob, we have got a couple more things coming up here for the month of January. I'll let you talk about that. And then Harrison, for listeners, I will let you because, boy, you, you, you've got a pipeline coming up for for the basement bench. So, Rob, tell listeners what we've got still coming in January. Lots of great stuff coming in January. We continue on with our Will Smith Marathon. Uh, we've got I Am Legend coming out, uh, which I'm very excited to go back and revisit because I think there's a lot of uh, great stuff there. Um, for those of you who are into post-apocalyptic kinds of adventures, uh, we will continue to review The Last of Us. And I want to welcome any listeners who are checking this episode out after our initial breakdown uh, from the uh, launch episode on the 15th. That show is going to it's drawing buzz like I can't even begin to describe. It's everywhere. Everybody, you know, is talking about this. Every place that you read news or entertainment information um, people are talking about this show. So uh, it's on HBO Max. Highly encourage it. Uh, it's my favorite video game of all time. And I'm very excited about what's going to happen. Love being able to break that down. So if you are joining us uh, after checking that out for the first time, I want to say welcome and uh, I'd invite you to check out the rest of the content up and down the channel. Um, but we have uh, breakdowns coming out, uh, should be available every Monday morning. We're going to record Sunday night immediately after the episode. <clears throat> You'll be able to listen to it on your way to school or work or whatever you happen to be doing. Um, so look for that for this entire first season. By the time that wraps up, bam, we are just still talking about Pedro Pascal because we are going right into Mando season three. Cannot wait for that. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun, too. But uh, we've got I Am Legend coming out next week. And then uh, to cap off Will Smith month, it'll... Uh, It'll it'll end like a slap in the face. It's going to be <laughs> wild, wild west. We are going to force ourselves to watch this garbage and uh, and try to find something to say about it that isn't just wow, that was terrible. It's going to be difficult, but we will see if we can accomplish <laughs> that task. Harrison, what do you got coming for the basement bench? Yeah, I have lots of things coming. Before I tell you about that, though, I just have to say if you have not. If you are coming from the last of ep episodes, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, stay here at Matt Goes to the Movies. It's great. Uh, if you are one of the listeners who are here and not listen to The Last of Us, and you're not watching the TV show like myself, because I don't subscribe to HBO Max, um, listen to the episode. And also, Harrison's not good with scary things. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> didn't have to do me dirty, Rob. But... <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> you should listen to the episode they they are really really good in fact um i was uh shoveling the driveway with snow it's been snowing here a lot in utah i was like i i would need to get through this somehow so i started to listen to that episode and then i intentionally shoveled slower so i could listen to the whole thing because <laughs> it was that good so so definitely go listen to that episode um, but over on the basement binge, we are going the exact opposite direction of scary things, and we're talking about animated movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, because <laughs> maybe I'm just a child. Uh, not me. Unless, unless you're reviewing Bambi, because that opens up pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, that that might be my limit. We'll have to test. Um, yeah, animated. Actually, I feel like there's a bunch of Disney movies that open up with somebody dying, like in a horrible, terrible way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's why they're not on the list. They're all not there. Uh, 
So yeah, Animation Hall of Fave number three is happening at the Basement Binge. Just a yearly thing at the beginning of the year where I go back and review animated movies that I love or try and find some new ones to love because I really enjoy the format of animation. That is starting out with Puss and Boots The Last Wish, which is being released tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, it's probably already released. Um, and Matt and Robin are going to be joining me for some other episodes. Pixar, Studio Ghibli, uh, DreamWorks, some great films that I'm excited to review. And uh, also getting excited for uh, Creed coming out March. So kind of end of February, begin March, going to be doing a binge of the Creed series in anticipation for that. So some fun things happening, but I am I'm very excited for The Mandalorian, and I'm excited to uh, continue to listen to the, your Last of Us episodes. Are, I'm drawing a blank. Were you doing the movie Coco? Uh, I was not, but maybe I should. That was that was a good one. That was one of my faves. Um, hey, man. but yeah, no, I'm 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 excited to uh, to hear those episodes and uh, you know be a part of a couple of them and yeah, get you know together for Mando because boy, that looks awesome. Oh, it looks amazing. I, I I don't know. Uh, we've said it before, but there's just for me when Star Wars is good, there's nothing like it. Nope. Like nothing gives me that high, like good Star Wars. Yep. So I we'll see if it if it continues. I was gonna say one last thing. If you are a great listener of Magos the Movies and you would like to come listen to the basement binge, I have a great episode for you. I reviewed I'm Legend previously, like a year ago, and did not like it. And at the end of that episode, promised to revisit it eventually and see if it could redeem itself. So if you want to join this redemption arc. Go listen to that episode on the base and binge in anticipation for the next episode here at Magus the Movies. Because I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we're gonna have a redemption arc of our own because uh, Hancock couldn't do it good enough, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, and way back then, we weren't even a thought in your mind. No, not at all. I didn't even know you guys existed. Yeah, you like came in like Charlize Theron and had to introduce <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> We we threw your we, we we came in and threw you through a wall exactly and- <laughs> you know so but uh, listeners thank you so much for joining us uh, you know we continue to look forward to bringing you new movie reviews uh, giveaways and so much more and we will see you very soon at Matt goes to the movies.